Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the first episode of the Road to Rome podcast. My name is Connor Keenan. I am joined by my co-host, Jackson Fuller. Jackson, how are you, my friend? Doing great, Connor. How are you doing today, sir? Yeah, I'm good. Better after talking to you. <laughs> uh, for those uh, who were re- who were regular listeners to the FIFA World Cup podcast on the Sports Gazette, you will recognize Jackson's voice, but we're not talking about the football anymore. It's over. The golf world is back. The golf season is about to get into full swing, and we have a great season to look forward to. Not only the Ryder Cup, but the Solheim Cup as well. So the, the Road to Rome podcast will be following the world of golf with a Ryder Cup focus for the tournament at Marco Simone Golf Club, Country Club. Yeah, so we're going to have a uh, big-time focus on both team events. It'll be the first time since 2002 that the Ryder Cup and the Solheim Cup are happening in the same year, and uh, we are definitely going to have a good amount of focus on both the men's and the women's competition. And, of course, Connor, it's impossible not to talk about live golf, so that'll be a focus of this podcast as well. Yeah, the 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 drama as it unfolds during the season. Obviously, last year was a bit of a crazy year for golf. Um, obviously, the the Netflix documentary coming out in a few weeks. We'll hopefully document that. We'll be reviewing that, previewing that, uh, and hopefully talking to a few guests along the way about what what this golf year has in store for us and obviously more focus on the major championships and the Ryder Cup and the Solheim Cup uh, as they come into view uh, later down the line. Uh, we will Connor, start. We, we just got the, the trailer for the Netflix documentary today, right? The first one, uh, Wednesday, January 11th. And a big part of the focus of it, I felt like, was live. Are you surprised that they kind of went that far into it you would have think the the pga tour maybe wouldn't want you to talk or think about live but i guess this is a netflix product at the end of the day yeah i mean they got they got into the the game of golf at the right time they got in just before this all this all exploded uh the fact that they have golfers from live golf is going to be super super interesting personally really looking forward to the ian poulter episode when they take a take a look at him We've obviously, I'll, I'll run quickly through the names of who's going to be featuring on it. Jordan Spieth, Justin Thomas, Scotty Scheffler, Brooks Kepka is another interesting one. Colin Morikawa, Ian Poulter, Joel Damon, Matt Fitz, uh, Dustin Johnson, Tony Finau, Sahith Tagala, Mito Pereira, who could be going to live as we speak, uh, Joaquin Neiman, who is on live, and of course, of course, Rory McIlroy. So obviously, a lot of Ryder Cup players in there. A lot of potential Ryder Cup players in there, depending on what the decision is with Liv uh, as we move forward. Uh, but we'll be there for every step of the way and covering the, the sport that we love. Yeah, uh, let's let's just take a quick couple minutes here. I know maybe nobody cares about this, but uh, we hope you'll listen throughout the rest of the year. And uh, we can introduce ourselves a little bit. So in our golf backgrounds, we have very different golf backgrounds. We will be... If you can't tell by the accents, cheering for different Ryder Cup teams when the competition comes around in September. So uh, I'm Jackson Fuller again from North Carolina in the United States. I've only been playing golf for uh, five or six years now. I got into it when I got the chance to cover the Wells Fargo Invitational, uh, Wells Fargo Tournament in uh, Wilmington, North Carolina. 
Uh, Brian Harmon, a very popular winner that weekend. Not really. Nobody really knew who he was <laughs> until he, he was the victor. But that uh, following and covering that tournament got me into the sport, and I've been hooked ever since. Uh, the game is struggling with a really, really awful low hook right now, so that's not good. But we're going to find it as we as we head into springtime. Uh, Connor, you, uh, you've been playing your whole life. Give the people a, a little backstory into, into your golf career. Yeah, I've been playing my whole life and still have that left miss. So we're in the same boat there, Jackson. Um, yeah, uh, I'm very lucky in the sense that I'm from Northern Ireland, a place called Newcastle, Northern Ireland, which for the, the golf course top 100 nerds will know that depending what list you look at, uh, Newcastle is home to Royal County Down, which uh, is number one on number one in the world, depending what list you look at. Golf Digest typically put us number one. So that's my favorite list personally. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I've been playing, playing the game since about the age of four. Been caddying at Royal County Down since the age of 11. So over 10 years caddying experience, which has some good stories along with it. You meet some pretty interesting people, some very bad golfers, but uh, some very good people. And uh, yeah, just been following the game of golf. Um, do you know what? Not probably as much as I should have before COVID. And since COVID, I've just sort of been hooked by it. And then obviously the live stuff comes in and you bring the politics into it. And it just throws a grenade into the middle of it. Whether it's good for the game of golf or not is a different story. But it's taken my interest to to another level because I feel like the sport itself sort of, is sort of under attack from people that want to use it for sort of cynical purposes, you know. Yeah, and it's it's. Uh, I think the basis of that attack is from the outside, but then you've got people on the inside as well that are uh, playing a part. And uh, there's really no sport kind of like it right now, where uh, it's at a fork in the road moment for professional golf. Uh, and I think the PGA Tour might feel a little bit more secure about where they are than they were six months ago. But still, uh, a lot of things where where this could go. So. Uh, should we uh, jump into a quick little century recap, Connor? Because the 2023 golf season did kind of start this weekend, didn't it? Sort of. Um, it's a nice curtain raiser, the century. Um, I don't think anyone looks at it and thinks of it as the sort of pinnacle of golf at the uh, at this stage in the year. Obviously, it's it's difficult for the PGA Tour when they're competing with the American sports like the NFL is on primetime Sunday. I know myself, it's hard to... Uh, click off the NFL, especially when the playoffs come in and watch them slow, rather tedious golf at times. But that's just the sport, isn't it? Um, but I mean, for for week one, we had the drama, right? Uh, and we can look at it from a Ryder Cup lens. Um, an American being tipped <laughs> in the back nine by uh, a European is that a is that a sign of things to come? Do you think, Jackson? I, I figured you were going to want to look at this tournament specifically from a <laughs> Ryder Cup lens. But look, I think uh, I think Morikawa is uh, going to have a lot of these because he's going to be in contention a lot over the next, you know, five, ten years. He's that good of an iron player and really that shaky of a chipper. And uh, the putting has been a story of his throughout his career. But when you when you have that kind of glaring of a weakness that he's got with the with the chipping, you know, right now he's these moments can happen. But I think I honestly, and I know this this is a tournament where guys are going super low, you know, twenty five, nearly thirty under par. So it's hard to take 
too much from who, you know, who wins and top fives and everything. But John Rahm, to me, is a sleeping giant. You know, when he got to number one in the world two years ago, it was like, okay, this guy's going to really take off now. And he, he, he didn't really. He kind of plateaued. But he played some good golf last year, even if it wasn't to the, his high standards. And uh, gosh, man, he looks like he's ready for a huge 2023. And uh, I know I just said we're not going to take too much into it, but I am. I, I'm really excited about what Rom could accomplish this year. And he went out and he went out and grabbed it. Morikawa, you know, it's not like he shot over par. He didn't have a penalty shot in the final round. He just he shot one under, which wasn't good enough because Rom went out and, and blitzed him. Yeah, a seven-shot lead, I believe, on the ninth tee box for Morikawa. Yeah. Before he's just sort of, sort of ran out of en- energy. Got got a few bogeys in the back nine. Uh, but this this wasn't the case of Morikawa handing it to Ram. It was Ram being presented with the opportunity to come back and and stealing it off him. He he got hot on the back nine. Obviously, a ten under par final round. Um, and when when you have a guy like you look at the leaderboard and you see Ram behind you and you see your lead sort of ebbing away i can't obviously relate to this because i've never played in the tournament with john ram but i can't imagine it's a nice feeling <laughs> no i mean he he birdied morikawa was up seven heading to the back nine he birdied 18 and he lost by two <laughs> i mean ram shot 10 under that's just ridiculous i mean if he was pouring in putts uh which is something we didn't see much of from Rom last year. I think that was kind of like he got close, but maybe not close enough at times to the hole and in, in big tournaments and big moments. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he's he's a guy that you don't want chasing you, and really an interesting kind of top five with Tom Hoagie, Max Homa T three, and then Tom Kim and JJ Spawn T five. Uh, are you buying into the Tom Kim hype, Connor? Oh I mean, yes, big time. And you know what? This is a really casual take, but I w- don't get me wrong. I I bought in the moment I saw him at the Presidents Cup. I was like, I like this guy a lot. The one thing I don't like is his slow play. He is he is a slow slow player, but it's getting to the stage where uh, there's more slow players than there is quick players. Um, but from a casual's perspective. Him going to Nike and them not giving like stupid floral hats that only really Tony Finau can pull off. Do you know the way they give them all sort of the same outfits and some guys can pull them off more than others? They give Tom Kim the sort of generic, nice, simple, but classy, same Roy McIlroy style outfits. And in my eyes, just for the eye test, it's it's totally legitimized them. Uh, I love the swagger he plays with. Um, and he's only 20 years old. It's 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 incredible. Um, I think we're going to have a lot of fun. Obviously, he won't be at the Ryder Cup, but he starred in the President's Cup uh, for the internationals. And I think adding him to the fray in the PGA Tour this year is, is only going to be a good thing for entertainment. Yeah, and he's got Joe Scovern, Scovern on the back. It was Ricky Fowler's longtime caddy. So uh, uh, make the as many Ricky Fowler jokes as you want. But... Next big thing. <laughs> Scoverins, he's got experience winning some tournaments uh, and he's been around the PGA Tour for a very, very long time. So I think, God, man, it's, it's crazy because you, you, Tom Kim's what? I think he's 20 years old. And like you think there's no way this guy can keep doing this, but he is. I mean, every tournament he plays in, he's he's near the top of the leaderboard or right there at the top. And 
I think he's he in a lot of ways represents you know what the future of the PGA Tour could be with the as an international player. That's a lot of fun and uh, you know can kind of rile up the fan base a little bit and pull some emotions out of out of the fans, which uh, some players kind of struggle to do. Yeah. What do you make of Kapalua? We were talking about this before recording, but it's good views, but not really the most exciting tournament. I mean, is this, you know, do you enjoy this as you said, it's a good curtain raiser. Do you wish it was somewhere else for the start of the PGA tour where maybe there was more excitement? Is it just the product of only 30 guys in the field or, or something around there? I mean, what do you make of this tournament as a whole? Um, I mean, I'm a fan of it. I take it for what it is and what it is, is them. what it feels like anyway is, just as I said, the curtain raiser. You're not going to get a massive test at at Kapalua, but you'll get a fun Sunday to watch. As long as someone doesn't pull out, like Morikawa did four or five shots ahead and and maintain that, it was it was a pretty big shock. Obviously, that Ram came back into it. Um, the course itself, it's not necessarily the course, but I'm just not a fan of birdie fests. I sort of like. It depends on the course, of, uh, obviously, but around 8 to 12 under is where I like to see winning scores in which there is a possibility that you can mess up and have a bogey on this golf course. It doesn't really seem like that unless you hit like a super, super wayward one into a penalty area. Um, but what I did like about Kapalua was that it makes you hit golf shots. It's not just your typical TPC lush green fairways soft greens you're not just playing darts and firing the golf ball at the hole you're using the contours you're using the slopes i think 18 is a great hole obviously it's it's a pretty easy one if it's a par four essentially it is a par five but you're losing shots in the field unless you birdie it the fact that they're hitting long irons drawing them in uh obviously the backdrop is is beautiful but the way the ball sort of rolls on the contours of the 18th sort of sums up Kapalua that you can have fun with it and there is entertainment out there, but it's the start of the season. Uh, players look at Kapalua as, as a sort of vacation. They take their families out there and they just have a bit of fun and then the tournament happens. Um, so I think it's a nice way to start the year and I think it's at a good time of the year. I think if you had this, it feels like a slower pace of Kapalua. If you have that in April, just after the Masters or something, I'm not sure it, really fits in as well but um as i as i said when i see kapalua i'm like okay here we go the golf's back because the fall season does very little for me to be honest um and and this is just sort of the the match that that'll light the fire for the rest of the season yeah i i agree with almost everything you just said i, I will say it looks like a nightmare to play from my high handicap vantage point, just all the down slopes that you're going to have to be hitting off of. And, uh, you know, the, the green, like you said, it's not easy to, you know, if you hit it in the wrong spot of the green, it could be miles away from the hole. Uh, but it's these guys just kind of tear it up. <laughs> and uh, that's the the difference between them and myself. I love the, the 11th hole, that part, the last part three, that's like kind of, right off to the ocean it looks like a infinity pool when you're standing on the tee so uh very very cool course and uh just the, the views are are tremendous and it's it's just fun to i guess it's just fun to have golf back in our lives really yeah um uh, and, and as, as we said obviously the nfl is still on so 
the PGA Tour has to be realistic. They can't take on the NFL. And like, if you put a major on this time of the year, it's never going to happen. Firstly, yeah. but I'm not sure it's going to do very well against the NFL. So I think having these sort of nice, slightly more low key, low energy tournaments to softly break in the air. And then it sort of kicks off properly with the travelers. And then you're starting to think, Oh, Augusta's around the corner. You start getting the advertisements and then buying. It's just from the masters onwards. It's just golf galore. And then obviously after the four majors, we have two fantastic uh, tournaments in the Solheim and the Ryder Cup to look forward to. Obviously, the women start in a few weeks, so we'll be covering that when, when that rolls around. Um, but yeah, I'm ex- it, it, it does get me excited for the year. For sure. Let's talk about the year, shall we? Make a few bold predictions that we're going to regret by the end of 2023. Let's do it. Cool. Uh, so let's start off with a question here where... Uh, if you had to bet your life, Connor, on one golfer to win a major this season, who would it be? Do you want the heart answer or the head answer? I want I want the answer that you're betting your life on. If, you, if you're willing to go with the heart for your, for your life, but uh, whatever whatever answer you uh, you're most confident in, you bet your gut to, or you have your of, so, so some people should be able to hear from my accent that I sound similar to Rory McIlroy, and that's because Rory McIlroy's from 45 minutes up the road from me. So I support Rory like a football team, which is rather unhealthy because if you're supporting a football team, it's one team versus another team. If you support an individual in golf, he's playing against 148 other teams. So the, the chances of him winning are obviously a lot slimmer. But, man, did he play good golf last year. And it was getting to the stage where I think the lowest point for me as a McElroy fan was the Ryder Cup at Whistling Straits, in which he just did not have it. And he was crying on the green after he lost his singles match. Um, actually, he might have won his singles match, but he was let he, he was upset as a, of his general play in that, in that tournament and that season. But he's rebounded now. He's got the wedges sorted out. Just, I don't want to get hurt. And it's been so long, Jackson. 2014 <laughs> is the last time he's won a major. That It's it's almost, if he doesn't win a major this year, it will be 10 years, which is incredible to think about with how good he is. Which makes me not want to bet on him to win a major. <laughs> Let's do it. Because I'm, I'll, I'm uh, going to hold back. <laughs> uh, yeah, I can't go back. My head was saying Cam Smith. Okay. But I've got to go with my heart and say McElroy, preferably the Gosta. I think that, I, you know, Cam Smith's interesting. I was thinking him too for this question, but I still want to see these live guys play, you know, a full season, like not on the PGA Tour and see how they fare. Because it there were times last year where it felt like, Oh, they're they're really suffering from. I mean, make all the fifty-four hole jokes you want, but they're suffering from not being under the gun. That pressure that comes with you know the PGA Tour every weekend. You miss the cut. You're going home with no money. So, I think I would I I would I would have probably said Smith, but I'm still nervous about how these live guys are gonna fare when they get to a major and for the first time in a long time, there's real real pressure on them. 
I'm going to go betting my life on this guy doesn't feel confident either, but I'm going to say Will Zalatoris. I think Ooh. it's time. I think he's been so close the past two years, and that putting stroke gives me nightmares, but it's pretty good on short-range putts, I guess. I think it's deliberate, honestly. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. stage where it's so bad that he's got it because there was a stage in the middle of last summer where he was putting really well from inside sort of four feet range and every stroke was horrible, but they yeah. were going in the center of the cup. So it almost felt to me like it was a deliberate sort of yip. I don't want to use that word much on this pod, but um, I don't think it's a yip. I think it's, it's, it's his stroke when he gets yeah. inside for whatever reason, when he gets inside four or five feet for whatever reason, it's a com that whatever it is, is a comfort for him. And, God, it's hideous, and it does not give me confidence. But I mean, he's been he's been there like at the last I don't know seven eight majors. It feels like he won the FedEx St Jude uh, tournament uh, to close the or to open the playoffs and kind of close his year. He's coming off an injury uh, last year, which makes me a little nervous. But if this guy's healthy, he is, I think, one of the top three ball strikers on the planet. And God, he's he's hungry too. I think that's what I love about him is he, he wears his emotions on his sleeves at times and you can tell how much he wants it. So I'm going to go Zalatoris. Uh, I think, I think Rory's the smart pick. I think for whatever reason, Scotty Scheffler's another smart pick that just nobody seems to give him credit for what he did last year. Uh, but I'll be, I'll be a little bit bold and I'll go, I'll go Zalatoris. What's our, what's our next question, Connor? One surprise name to win a major. Okay, I'm going, I don't know how off the board this is. You'll tell me, but I'm going Tommy Fleetwood. For whatever reason, I have an affinity for Tommy Fleetwood. I love the hair. I love his, uh, the pictures with his kids that were coming, or his kid that came out during the Masters time last year. Uh, you know, that round of golf that he played in the U.S. Open that uh, Kepka won, uh, the final round was like one of the, I think it was at Shinnecock. Was it like was, one of yeah. Yeah, it was one of the best rounds of golf I've ever seen. <laughs> I mean, everyone out there was struggling to hold greens, and he was just out there having a good time. Uh, I think he finished second after a crazy comeback, uh, definitely a top five. So he's always good in the majors. I've, I've heard him talk to a couple, you know, go on the record and talk about how difficult the COVID year was and even the year after that, having to be away from his family for so long. And it looked like he was starting to turn the corner a little bit last year as we got into kind of, you know, the big major. So I'm going to go Fleetwood. I think, you know, definitely not betting my life on this. I don't even know if I would put any real coin on this, but if a surprise pick to win a major, I'll go Fleetwood. What about you? Well, I'll, I'll just touch on Fleetwood before I get on the bind because I'm still sort of thinking. Uh, <laughs> but does the, does the lack of wins in the U.S. concern you at all? For sure. For sure. Uh, it's uh I think that's why it's a surprise, though, because if he had these wins, maybe it would be more expected of him to compete and win a major. Uh, there, He had that three, four-year run where he was, you know, for whatever reason, not winning on the U.S., but really playing well, and that kind of disappeared during COVID. I think, you know, he's not that old. I think he still has some really good golf ahead of him, and yeah, maybe it'd be nice to see him win on a the main soil uh, one time before we get to major season, but maybe Hoy Lake's an option. Uh, I think he's going to fit pretty nicely at uh, LACC for the U S open. He always plays well at tough courses like that. So, 
but yeah, it's a big concern. I think if he had a victory on U.S. soil, that uh, it might not be he might not be eligible for this category, though. Uh, obviously, we'll talk about the Ryder Cup standings in, in a minute, so I'll just keep this brief because I'll expand on it later. But I think if Europe have a chance in Italy, guys like Fleetwood have to step up. That sort of middle range in which the U.S. are so strong, the Europeans need to really step up. And Tommy Fleetwood's one of one of those players. One surprise name. I've sort of got two. One doesn't feel that much of an outsider. Um, and I was just looking at the odds for the Masters, and they're they're quite stunning. I'm going to go Max Homa. Okay. He's 66 to 1, which I think is crazy wow. for Augusta. Um, he He's just found it, hasn't he? He looked at the President's Cup. He looked like a guy that was made for match play golf just for that moment when the when the chips are down that he can get his a game in check at the most important times uh maybe a guy that doesn't do that as much and i i'll i'll mention him because i I like max a little more but i think tony fino is going to have a big year uh there's been a lot of sort of doubts about tony in the sense that he can't get it done he's always at the top of the leaderboard and never finishes first think he had a really strong end to the to the to the end of the last season uh and i think he's primed and ready for a big year that he could be competing in the majors yeah i think homa 66 to 1 maybe that's just based off his last you know his finishes at the yeah, masters not a great record at the masters but yeah i don't think he's finished t20 or inside the top 20 at a masters but still i mean like you said he I mean, he won, what, three times on tour last year? Something yeah. like that. And really, you know, kind of took off as a well-known name during the President's Cup. And I lo- I like the Finau pick as well. I think <laughs> he has to, like, come on, man. Like, you're There's so much good. talent to not, <laughs> exactly. not capitalize on it. And, I mean, he, and you want to root for him. He's, yeah. he's, he's so easy to root for. So I would like maybe... Maybe if he waited a year, so it's a not not a Ryder Cup year, that would be great. <laughs> but I mean, depending on who he's he's up against, I'll be rooting for him. Uh, the major venues are pretty cool this year. Uh, I'll run through them quickly. Obviously, we got Augusta, we got Oak Hill for the PGA Championship, Royal Liverpool for the Open Championship, and Los Angeles Country Club (LACC) for the U.S. Open in June. Uh, which one stands out for you, Jackson? Uh, I think most other years I would pick, uh, Hoylake and Liverpool, but man, LACC is going to be tough to beat this year. They haven't, you know, I, I don't, re- I think the last time a major was there was nearly a hundred years ago. I know they've, I think they've played a Walker cup there more recently, or they're planning on going there for a Walker cup, but this is a place that's like just the exclusive of exclusive golf courses in Los Angeles. Uh, people don't get to see it very much. It's, you know, there's two 18 hole courses. They're going to be playing on the North one. Uh, you know, they've got a par three. That's going to be 240 yards uh, in, in the front nine. Uh, it's, it's going to be fun. I think the, it's going to be open fairways, you know, really fun, tricky greens and, Los Angeles kind of knows how to throw a party and I'm, I'm ex- not that the U S open is a party atmosphere, but I think it's going to be a great host and a great event. And I'm very much looking forward to uh, watching that U S open. I think on a year to year basis, the masters is always 
phenomenal, but I enjoy watching the U.S. Open and the Open Championships just a little bit more. And th- this year we're, we're blessed with two great venues for those tournaments. What do you think? What's your What venue are you most looking forward to? I like Royal Liverpool mainly for the fact that that's where McIlroy last won. um but you know what i'm gonna be basic but there's a reason behind me being basic i'm really looking forward to augusta because of the changes that they're making they're lengthening the 12th um i i can't remember off the top of my head that the other changes that they're making because obviously they keep it very very low-key keep keep it pretty secret the only way people really find out about them lengthening the 12th hole is through satellite images so um I think the changes at Augusta are going to be fascinating. Um, this The whole, I think going into that tournament is going to be interesting. Obviously, the live guys are still there. I think that's probably the right decision. Um, and that can segue us into the live golf discussion for this year. Do we care about it? Yes and no. <laughs> and I know that's kind of the easy answer, but I greatly care about the the politics and what happens next and if live can be successful because you know the pga tour is still fighting i think to put make sure it's on it's on solid ground live has boatloads of money everything else has not gone to plan they haven't gotten all the names that they wanted to but they know they haven't secured the tv deal stuff like that so yes I care to see what happens with Liv in the future. And I do care about the golfers there. You know, guys like Dustin Johnson and Cam Smith, I was huge fans of. And I still, I don't know if I'm a huge fan anymore, but I'm interested to see how they do. When you get Cam Smith in a major, I'm probably going to be rooting for him, unless it's against Rory McIlroy at St. Andrews. Sorry, Connor. But, uh, so yes, on that sense, the actual tournaments, no. I mean, there's just, it's, it's the stakes ha- or the, the financial stakes are not enough for me. The his the tournaments themselves, their history is not enough for me. And uh, I know that's kind of the answer that everybody's saying, but I am excited to kind of pay attention to the, to the developments of the live tour over the course of the season. And if, you know, who knows, are they going to get anybody else, any other big names, or is this kind of who they have? And if this is who they have, I think they're in a lot of trouble for the, the future of this tour. Yeah, the the way it's going, it feels like the sort of momentum of being the new kids on the block is is running low, and it only runs for a certain amount of time, and then you got to think of a new way to, to, to spice it up. And I don't want to rule them out yet, because I remember February last year when... DJ and Bryson released a statement saying they weren't going to join Live, etc., etc., and then buying a few months later, it it's kicking off in England and they're all there. So um, watch this space definitely. What will be interesting as we segue to the to the way too early Ryder Cup standings before we leave you, um, will those guys be involved? I think it's it's certainly. Well, I was going to say it would probably affect the American team more, but a, a lot of the core of the European team are at live, but then you could also say that they're sort of at the end of their Ryder cup careers, guys, Poulter, Westwood, etc. Um, so I'll throw it over to you, Jackson. Uh, we'll talk about the, the, the standings as they are at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I, real quick. I, I think you're right. It's, it's weird. Cause I don't know if the Ryder Cup, like other than DJ, like what players could you point to right away and be like, oh, that guy would be on a Ryder Cup team. 
I don't know. Uh, but so yeah, the this the early standings right now are kind of hilarious. Uh, before we jump into them, uh, Europe has six automatic locks, and they'll get six captain picks this year, which is kind of big. And uh, that might be to prevent guys like Adrian Otaegi from getting in the field, who right now would be a lock, I actually think, would be... He'd not get in on world points, yeah. Yeah, he'd get in on world points, but, you know, on the... You got guys, you know, the European points is Rom, McElroy, Lowry, Fleetwood, Otiegi, Norin, Rasmus Hoygaard. Uh, the world points are kind of those are those same guys, except Shane Lowry's involved. Um, I think we all imagine Fitzpatrick, Terrell Hatton are going to get in. Uh, and then it's kind of, it's really interesting to think who is going to round out this European squad. Uh, I did an article for the Sports Gazette right after the President's Cup trying to predict who would be the 12 golfers that Luke Donald uh, summons for the uh, Ryder Cup. Um, well, will we go through that? Do you want me to read out your locks? and then we? Uh, can, yeah, sure. Let's go through it. Yeah, yeah. So, the, so the locks are McElroy, Ram, Fitzpatrick, Victor Hovland, Shane Larry, Tora Hatton. Tommy Fleetwood. Um, I'd be very surprised if any of them weren't in the team. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, I think, and I think, I think Fleetwood and Hatton are two guys that you might say locks, really. But just based off the lack of depth for this European team right now, I can't like unless they have abysmal years, which I don't envision. But um, you know, that's always an option. I think they they're on the they're on the plane no matter what. I'm I'm looking in your on the bubble uh, projected players, Jackson, and it's not filling me with a lot of confidence. We have uh, <laughs> we have Thomas Peters, Sepp Straka, my guy Seamus Parr, and Robert McIntyre. Yeah, uh, I think I think Peters honestly might be close to a lock. I don't, you know, form is going to be huge, but the guy's got experience four and one you know he's still i think ranked inside the top 50 or 40 in the world uh and then straka he he's such a like high ceiling low floor kind of guy yeah he might be a lock as well but uh, for now i think it's it's smart to keep these guys on the bubble it's those other two names your guy seamus power and robert mcintyre i think are going to be very interesting to follow uh how important do you think McIntyre in particular is to to team Europe this year. Um I think the fact that he won at the venue in the Italian Open um we can take something from that. This is the sort of middle ground that I'm talking about and I I sort of talk about if it maybe unfairly put him in the same bracket as Tyrrell Hatton and Tommy Fleetwood who else? You could even throw Justin Rose in there. This is the sort of midfield that really needs to step up. Um, we know how talented Robert McIntyre is. We've been told how talented he is for years. And I don't think it's unfair that we're still fully waiting to see it. Like Other guys like Hovland have exploded on the scene a lot quicker than, than Robert McIntyre has. Um, personally, I would be surprised if Seamus Power is not on the team. I think he's poised for. I think Parr is really, really consistent player. 
Um, he was a journeyman who's now found his level in the PGA Tour. He does need to come over and play Europe a little more, but I think he sort of brings... Obviously, he would be a rookie, but he brings that sort of wise head, bit of experience, uh, an older guy on the team to replace the guys that we've lost through sort of playing themselves out of it and and live. I think live might even be a, a blessing in disguise, really, for getting those guys out of the team. Bar Garcia, I'm thinking Westwood, and I'm thinking Poulter, and I think after the, the bloodbath that was Whistling Straits, I think it's time to sort of hit the reset button. We're going back to Europe. Um, the home team should be certainly at least in with a shot of winning, and I think you got to blood that young, that young core into what, like Robert McIntyre has the talent to be on a Ryder Cup team for at least, certainly within the conversation for the next ten fifteen years. Yeah, and then I think he's got it because the the next column that I had was work left to do, work to do, and uh, no, this is just grim. Ooh. Yeah, this is very grim. I don't even think we need to read all these names, but I think the the kind of the few that jump out at me are Justin Rose, who you mentioned, Rasmus Hoygaard, Nikolai Hoygaard, Guido Migliozzi, and Francesco Molinari. Um, would you like these are going to be guys fighting for that last spot? We've you know before this column we've already named eleven, so maybe best case scenario those eleven are there, and Donald's got to pick one more. Are you hoping like a guy like Molinari with experience finds his game or a guy like Hoygaard, Migliozzi, that they kind of start filling, living up to their potential and uh, and fill out that team? You know, what would you like to see for this last spot? Maybe a little bit more experience or some more projection there? I, w- I want the pick to be based on who's playing the best golf rather than just picking Molinari because he's been there before. If Migliozzi <laughs> is playing better than Molinari, then pick Migliozzi. we got to pick the guys that are on the best form. I'm fascinated by the Hoygaards. It might be a year too early for them. Yeah. Uh, maybe maybe one, and obviously Nikolai at the time of, you wrote this article was lower in the world rankings. Um, it'll be fascinating to watch them in the European Tour this year. I hope they come over to America a little more and we can see what they're like. Um, but I would... If if I was to pick one of those four, I would want Molinari to be in there the most. Mm-hmm. But of course, it matters in form. I wouldn't rule out Victor Perez either. I think mm. he's an outside shot. But if we look at the US rankings as they stand at the moment, um, it's a lot easier to because they're they're not they just have Ryder Cup points, whereas Europe are picking between European points and World points. Uh, the squad's a little deeper. Uh, Scotty Scheffler, Will Zalatoris, Justin Thomas, Colin Morikawa, Cam Young, and Dustin Johnson. <laughs> Dustin Johnson, where is he going to be there? Who knows? He's certainly good enough to be there. Um, that's the current top six. And then, of course, the U.S. has six picks after that. The I don't think this team's going to be too dissimilar to what we saw at the President's Cup. I think, the, I think it'll... I think there's... Of course, a lot, you know, we've talked about form ever since we started talking about the Ryder Cup, and form can change a lot of things. But if you, you know, ask me today, I would say that it's very, very likely that 10 of those President's Cup guys are back with the Ryder Cup team. The only, I do not think Kevin Kisner will be on the Ryder Cup 
and I do not think Billy Horschel will be at the Ryder Cup um, this fall. So that leaves two spots open. Obviously, Zalatoris didn't play in the President's Cup. I think if he's if he's healthy, and I just projected him to win a major, uh, I bet my life on it, actually. So I think Zalatoris is there. And then there's one spot left, and there's a lot of different ways you could go with it. But I think if you're an American golf fan, you want guys like Aaron Wise, maybe even a Brian Harmon. I mean, we joked about Tom Hoagie earlier, but looking at this list, like those are the three, really, that... I would like to see kind of grab the bull by the horns and and be a captain's pick and get in. Uh, maybe Keegan Bradley, but uh, you know, I think that there's that's kind of the question mark for the USA team is those last two spots, and that's a good question mark to have. You know, there's there's going to be some quest, there's going to be some uh, uncertainty there at the bottom, but. The top is so, so solid, especially with JT and Spieth as a team. And, uh, you know, Morikawa seems to play well with everybody. And Max Homa lives for team golf. So I think you've got a great core. And it's just about rounding that out with uh, guys who are either super, super hot, had a surprising year, or, or good team players. I'll, I'll put you on the spot just before we wrap up. Is there a name out there that you think, so currently you're not on the top 20, obviously your your Bradleys, your Harmons, etc. Is there a young guy you think can play his way onto the team other than Aaron Wise? I'll give you two answers uh, of guys I'm looking for that aren't on that list right now. The young guy is Sahif Tagala. That's exactly who I was thinking of. Yeah, I think he has an immense amount of talent. You know, came I think he's kind of one of the next young guys up. And then a name that is kind of a been a roller coaster career of his is Daniel Berger. And I mean, I think he's ranked inside the top 50 or just outside the top 50 in the uh, world golf rankings. But God, when that guy plays good golf, it's really, really good golf. He was on that last Ryder cup team, uh, just kind of fell off last year with some injuries. I mean, God, if he can turn it around and get back to where he was playing, that gives me a lot, a lot of confidence in the USA team. But uh, long way away, nine months, and I'm still, still, we're we're going to be talking about it, and very, very excited to talk about it. Uh, one last question for you, Connor, before we leave. Uh, give me your prediction, but also like how how nervous are you about the home streak for Europe coming to an end? Because Am I am I wrong in thinking that it feels a little bit different right now than maybe previous iterations of this competition where, yes, the Americans have been heavy favorites in the past, but it just feels like there's a little bit more separating the two sides than there has been in the past? You know, what are your kind of thoughts on that talent disparity and, and what's your January 11th prediction for a September Ryder Cup? <laughs> Um, I'm not nervous about it simply because I haven't thought about it too much. <laughs> once once the golf season kicks in and we're the three majors are in, still playing football, so Connor. <laughs> uh, <laughs> when we're when we're three majors in and the first three major champions are all American, I will be concerned. Um, I mean the US are big favorites. Um Yeah, as I said, it really relies on that sort of middle middle tier we need serious seasons from rory and john ram i think we'll get those i have to say 
Um, but it's just about those middle guys, your Tyrrell Hattons. I need to see Tyrrell win in America. I need to see Fleetwood win in America, uh, or at least so show signs in big big tournaments that that they can do it. Um, I don't doubt that they have the ability to. But man, this is this is a strong, strong American team. Like you're saying, an outsider to get in is Daniel Berger, world number fifty-one. I think he's a, I think he's a lock in the European team. But if you look at the the thing is in the Ryder Cup, almost always the US look better on paper, right? Yeah. It's about a team that plays together, and I think you at the US cracked that at Whistling Straits which makes me the most concerned. It was always that Europe is a team and they're less talented, but they are a team together, whereas the U.S. are sort of a team of individuals. I don't see that anymore with the U.S., although I thought the U.S. would absolutely hammer the internationals at the President's Cup and didn't happen. So that's the sort of the the thing that I'm holding on to. Am I going to predict a Europe win? Go on then, by a point. <laughs> Go on then, give me it by one point. Upset. I think. I think the one thing that kind of flew under the radar. You mentioned the U.S. was so heavily favored against the internationals, and maybe and didn't win as by as much as they were expected. But that team was a lot different than the Ryder Cup team that went to Whistling Straits. You know, no Kepka, no DJ, no Berger. Uh, I think that that was a good opportunity for this usa team to kind of get the experience guys like you know sam burns and, and home and stuff uh i think it's i think it's going to be very close i'm a usa fan and an optimist but there i can't shake the horrors of watching usa struggle in europe but i do think that this usa team is is built a little different i'm not you know there's not there's a little a lack of divas and drama queens on this team, and I think it'll be USA, but it'll be close, one, two, two and a half points, something like that. So, uh, again, as you said, check this space uh, throughout the year for predictions to change depending on form and overall optimism in my life. So, I'm excited for the season. This has got me in the mood, hundred um, percent. Yeah. And it's it'll be fascinating as as the year goes along because we have so much to look forward to. Jackson, pleasure uh, having you on, uh, as you will be almost every week. Uh, all being well, and uh, awesome. the Sony's this week, Sony Open in Hawaii. So we will be back with a small recap of that, looking at it through the Ryder Cup lens, and then as the women's season kicks off, uh, we will get into that when the time is right. Uh, again, Jackson, thank you very much, buddy. Yeah, Connor, no problem. See you soon, and we'll uh, we'll talk Sony next week, man. Cool. See you next week.